Good morning. Happy Father's Day. I get to say that too. I won't make you sing though, right? Uh, I, uh, I came across a, a, a quote this week that I just loved. It's from Jim Valvano. He was a coach of uh, North Carolina State University 1983 when his basketball team won the, uh, the national championship. And uh, when, when the winning basket went through the hoop at the, at the buzzer, right, they won, pandemonium broke out. Jim Valvano is that famous guy who ran around the, the court looking for someone to hug. I mean, that's what it looked like. He, he literally just, just ran all over the place. But this is what Jim Valvano said concerning his father. My father gave me the greatest gift anyone could give another person. I want you to think about that. My father gave me the greatest gift anyone could give another person. He believed in me. Isn't that great? The great one of the gifts we can give is that faith. Also in the news this week, uh, we saw that that uh, the congratulations to the to the uh, uh, Golden State Warrior fans that happen to be in the room. I don't know if there's any of you here or not. Uh, but uh, congratulations. Stephen Curry was named at the end of this uh, uh, season as the, the most valuable player in the NBA, right? 25 years old, a father of one. And, uh, and this was Stephen Curry's opening line when he accepted this award as the uh, as as the MVP of the NBA, his very first words out of his mouth were this. First and foremost, I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for blessing me with the talents to play this game, with the family to support me day in and day out. I am his humble servant right now. Isn't that awesome? And I can't say enough how important my faith is to who I am and how I play the game. Now, I want to repeat that because I think as we launch into this message today in our Brave series, Epic Stories from the Bible, we're looking at Abraham, the father of faith. And I want you to hear Stephen Curry's statement again. I can't say enough, I love that, how important my faith is to who I am and how I play the game. Is that true for you? That our faith not only informs who we are, but what we do. I love that. And so as we look, as we launch this, this uh, message on faith on Father's Day, uh, one thing I want you to understand straight out of the gate on this is that Abraham was not perfect. Right? We, uh, we read, there's a book by uh, Patrick Morley how God makes men, and he makes this statement concerning Abraham. In prepping for this, writing this chapter, he says, I spent hours with a man who once encouraged his wife to sleep with another man so he could get ahead. He even fathered a child and his housekeeper with his housekeeper and later cut both of them off financially. Once, when he was surrounded by a, a, a bunch of thugs, who had their eyes on his pretty wife, he pretended to be single to avoid getting roughed up. That's Abraham, right? And it just tells me that, uh, that 
that God uses broken people. Right? God uses broken people. And the, even in the Old Testament, we see a God of grace at work in people's lives. And so let's take a look at this, this man of, uh, of Abraham. We look at, at uh, we're going to just look at some snapshots of his life. And, and if you get anything else today, this is what I want you to get. The key biblical principle we're looking at. God makes men and women by showing us how we be, believe him anyway in the face of what seems like impossible circumstances. God makes strong men and women by showing us how we can believe him anyway. Let's pray, shall we? Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that this morning that your word, your truth will go deep into our hearts. Lord, that we would, we would grow in our faith because we know you that we would learn to trust you even more. Teach us today, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. In order to really uh, get this principle, we're going to wrestle with some, some tests. Now, Abraham's story is uh, indeed epic. I mean, it's, there's a lot there. So we're going to just kind of take some snapshots and look at this as in a... And, and their tests that Abraham faced and passed. Now, I, I want you to know that in some measure, we all face the same tests as Abraham does. That, uh, that, that it may not be exactly the same circumstances, but certainly the same kind of tests. And I like to call these the three Abrahamic tests, if you will, of faith. Uh, let's look at some scripture first, and then we'll, we'll get into these three things. First Hebrews 11:8 by faith Abraham when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going Genesis 12:1 The Lord said to Abram go from your country your people your father's household to the land I will show you I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing now, just so you know, you know, what's the deal here? We got Abraham and Abram, and, you know, just to clarify, it's the same person. You know, we're not switching things up here. Abram was his original name, and, uh, and it meant noble father. Abraham, though, God, God uh, gave Abram a new name. How many know that, that a name carries a lot of import? It, it, uh, it's part of our identity. And God wanted Abram to know that, no, you're not just noble father. You are going to be called Abraham, which is father of many. And so, and so it was part of his identity, and it was linked to this promise that God had given him. And he wanted Abraham to know. So, so there you have it. If I switch back and forth to Abram, Abraham, you know I'm talking about the same person this morning. So what's the first test? Like, uh, like, like Abraham, all, you will, will you believe God's great promise for an invisible future or cling to the visible present? That's the question. When God showed up and said, Abraham, I want you to, I want you to leave. Now, the cr chronology of this is that, that Abraham's father in Genesis 11 
verses 30 and 31, it says that Terran took his son Abram and his nephew Lot, and they, moved, they left Ur of the Chaldees and headed to Canaan. But they got to Haran, and there in the city of Haran, they stopped and settled there, it says. So Abraham finds himself in, in Haran. He's 75 years old. He's settling in. He's buried his father there. That's significant, right? This is, this is the, the grave site of my father. And God shows up one day at 75 years of old to, and says to Abram, I want you to leave here. And I want you to go to a place that I will show you. Pick it up. Pack it up. Take your family with you. Leave everyone else behind. Now that is a test of action. Active faith. Will you, are you willing to give up your, what you know to follow God and what you don't know? An unforeseen future, an unknown future in place of a known circumstance. Abraham was, was settled in, he, but uh, he had to make a choice, stay in his current reality or embrace God's future. And that's, that's really what the test is about for us, isn't it? Faith means that you have to begin a new journey. You see, it was important for Abram that he could not stay where he was. He just simply, it wasn't going to work. For him to stay there, and he wasn't going to receive the promise because God wanted to do something new. In order to stay there, he would simply have been a new link in an old chain. So he had to leave there. He had to physically go. For us, we, oftentimes, we simply have to make the choice. Are we willing to let go of the present for, for some future promise that God has given? And that's, that's the key in this, in this test, is recognizing that it's all about the promise. Right? It's about the promise. You don't just give up everything for, for, for nothing, right? There's, there is this trade. And God has promised Abraham something significant. And uh, I, I love the old saying, I'm not lost, I just don't know where I'm going, right? Uh, don't poke your husband if, uh, if, if, he, if you're sitting next to a husband right now that doesn't like to ask directions, because that's my line, right? I'm not lost, I, I just don't know how to get there. Um, I love what J.R. Tolkien says, too, in The Lord of the Rings. There's this, there's this little uh, uh, poem that he reads, all that is gold does not glitter. Think about that for a minute. Not all those who wander are lost. The old that is strong does not wither. Deep roots are not reached by the frost. That was Abraham. And I'm convinced that's what God wants us to be. Especially when we're seeking to follow him. It's it's not a matter of what, it, it, it's just simple obedience. God, okay, you want to do something new in me. You want to start something new with me. God says, I will show you a land I will show you. You start moving. And that's what I love 
in Scripture when it says Psalm 119, 105. What God says about his word, he says, your, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. It's that lamp that just gives that next step. I love what Dave Reaver said the other couple of weeks ago. He said, God gives us a lamp for our feet simply for the next step. He doesn't give us a headlamp on our head so that we can see it 100 yards down the road. Because that would freak you out, right? We... We just need to know that we need enough light for today because we're believing God for a future, his great promises. So we look at this. The key is the, key is the promise, right? I will make you, and let's look at this, verse 2 and 3. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. That's significant promise to Abraham. So, but how does that fit with us? Well, I, I, think there, I, I think at the core of God's promise are two things. For Abraham, as for us. That God promised Abraham, to, one, for significance. I will make your name great. Do you know that three of the major world religions, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity, all find their roots in Abraham? Two-thirds of the world's belief system focus come down to the roots of this one man. I would say God made good on his promise to Abraham, right? But significance, I'm going to make you a legacy you matter to God. And that same promise of significance, if you'll trust God, God wants to do something significant through you. A legacy. To tr- if we'll trust him, that he wants to do something in us so he can do something through us. And the other part of that promise is not only the significance but it's the blessing. God said, I'll make your name famous and I will bless you. And people who bless you, I will bless. And people who curse you, I will curse. And I will bless all the nations, all the families of the earth through you. God wants to use your life not only to be significant, but to bless. He wants to bless you personally. He wants to bless people through you. And I'm not talking about material things. I'm not because you know what? Blessing material things, if that doesn't work in a third world country, it shouldn't work here. How do we measure blessing financially and that sort of thing? You know, it's about it's about the blessing of God and his significance in us and what he's doing through us. So God wants to bless you. He wants to do something significant in you. That's the connection we find with Jesus. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. How about you? Are you ready to believe God's great promise? Or are you going to cling to the present? I remember my very first missions trip I, I was in Jamaica. Tough assignment, right? And, uh, and on a Wednesday night, there was a, there was a, a tent, a big 
big tent set up in the middle of a soccer field. And I remember walking out away about a couple hundred yards away from the tent and looking up to heaven. I, the Lord had been stirring some things in my heart. And it, that night I, I sensed in my spirit the Lord challenging me, Jerry, will you, will you move your family and yourself to another place and serve me in another culture? And that night I remember surrendering that to the Lord and said, yes, I'll go. Now, I do not suggest this for, for family marriages and, and all. When I, I got off the plane three minutes after the plane, because Gwen didn't, didn't go with me because we had two small kids at the time. I get off the plane and three minutes out the door, I say, guess what? God's called us to the mission field. Do not suggest it. Rolling it out that way, right? Uh, I mean, she looked at me like I was half crazy. It's a bad pizza, dude. I don't know what you've been, you've been uh, processing there, but uh, that, is, that is just bad. But you know what? It wasn't until a few years later God said where we were going to be serving. We, we went to Mexico, Mexico City. And, and I got to tell you, I simply could not go if I did not believe that what God had for me was better than what I currently was, had in my life. I want you to hear that because that's the promise. That God has something better that he's calling us to. But in order to get that, I have to give up this. And it wasn't easy, but it was a blessing. It was a blessing. And I got to tell you, the status quo is the enemy of faith. So what are you longing for? What do you desire? What is the, what's the God-given dream that he's put in your heart? Are you in the middle of a personal crisis right now and your faith is waning? Perhaps there's a job situation that doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Or there's a child issue or a health issue. Are you really believing God? Or are you doubting? Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Sometimes we doubt, right? Sometimes we, we want to take it back. And, and even Abraham made an audible that's impacted our world today. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the, the reality is sometimes we doubt. And I love what Jesus said to the father who brought his, his son, his demonized son to him and said, Jesus, can you heal this guy? And Jesus looked him right in the eye and he says, do you believe? He was challenging his faith. He said, do you believe? And I love what that man said in, uh, in Mark 20, 9, 24, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And I can relate to that because so oftentimes it's not a perfect package, right? But it's the desire and the will to say, I believe you, God. I believe your promises. And I'm going to cling to those. I'm going to choose that. Sometimes we just have to believe in the face of that. So I love it when, when Jesus says, go and make disciples. I love it that he challenges us not to live in the status quo. And that's a lot of what the, the 2020 vision is about even. Where God has spoken to Pastor Stan and challenged Horizon to, to push out. And, 
And next fall and, or next winter, currently there's plans, that, uh, God willing, to launch a new site in Lake Oswego. And you know what? Perhaps God would speak to, to some of you to be part of that, to go, to significantly invest in that. You know, because it's not about the status quo, but rather it's about the blessing and the significance of what God wants to do in us. To make that determination to act rather than to cling. The truth is when we trust God and go and act, the real adventure begins. If you're bored as a Christian, perhaps it's because you've not been walking through this test. There is no greater adventure, adventure this side of heaven than to follow in obedience to what God's calling you to do. But sometimes, sometimes it just seems impossible, doesn't it? How is that going to work? And that's the second test of Abrahamic type of faith. You see, Abraham faced this question as we all do. Will you trust God to do what seems impossible? Will you trust God to do what seems impossible? Now, you understand, Abraham was 75, and God told him to go, so he went. But at one point, he's 87, Sarah's approximately 77 years old, and they, they make that audible call. They decide, you know what? It's not happening, so we'll try to make it happen, right? And Sarah gives her handmaiden, uh, Hagar, to uh, Abraham, lie with her, and results in a child. Yep, that's what they're looking for. I mean, he's the father of many nations. Can you believe that? And somebody says, so your name means what? Father of many nations. Yeah, that's what. And how many kids you got? Oh, well, none. How's that working for you? Right? You've been there? Doesn't seem like the, it's, not, it's not happening. The promises, it's not coming. What's going on? God says, wait. Wait. And, and don't try to do it in your, the result in this case of trying to make the audible and make it happen was a child by the name of Ishmael. Started what the Bible calls a, a wild root. And, uh, and result is today, it is at the very core of the Muslim faith. But at 99, and 99 years of old age, Abraham gets a visit from God, says, by this time next year, you're going to have a son. Wow. Thank you, God. You're going to have a son. He waited. He waited. And he waited. And he waited. I love what Isaiah 40, 31 says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as, like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. That that waiting process, God is doing something in us as we wait for the promise. We live in this instant gratification society, and technology has kind of helped that along, hasn't it? Uh, do, do you have a friend that... They'll text you, and if you don't respond back in three minutes, they text you again. Hello, right? Where are you? Why aren't you answering? And then five minutes later, they're on the phone calling you, right? Patience. 
patience. Instant gratification. We all, we all want it. We want what will, what will feed our flesh now, right? We want it now. We want it now. But it's, what's interesting is God in his design wants to teach us to wait. That, that I like what Pastor Stan says. The Bible time is not like our time. We measure things in, in minutes and hours and days and weeks. Bible time tends to measure things in, in years and decades, right? Waiting. Are you willing to wait? What are you willing to wait for? I love this. They did a study in, uh, in, in Stanford back in the 60s and 70s, and I got a little video for you. It shows what it was about. It's called the marshmallow test. Let's, let's take a look at it. Okay, sit in that chair. All right, here's the deal. Marshmallow, for you. You can either wait, and I'll give you another one if you wait, or you can eat it now. When I come back, I'll give you t another one, so then you'll have to. But stay in here and stay in the chair till I come back, okay? okay. All right. Go do something and then I'll come back. It smells yummy. Oh, it smells really It's hard to wait, isn't it? You know, that's just, that's just all of us. But what was interesting about this study, and I love how science kind of reveals what God is already doing in us, teaching us to wait. That science re revealed that they follow these kids up through college and, and into, their, into their adult lives, and they, they found that kids that waited, that learned to wait, actually scored higher SATs and generally were, were more satisfied in their lives than those who, who had, have this instant gratification thing. God wants to teach us what it means to wait. And this is, this is what he was working in Abraham, developing in Abraham, a deeper heart to trust him. How about you? What are you waiting on? What are, what are the challenges right now? You, you've received the promise 
You know what God has spoken to your heart, and yet you haven't seen it just yet. Can, can, you, can you just lean into it a little longer? Can you wait on him to say, God, I trust you for that prodigal, for that healing, for that job, those things that God wants to do in your life? You know, Abraham, it says, Paul writes this about Abraham in Romans 4, 18 through 21. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as he said, as said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. I love that. You know, faith does not mean blinding yourself to the realities of the moment. Faith does not simply mean that, that, we, that we create, we, we lie to ourselves about what is true in the, in the reality in, right in front of us. But it says that Abraham, though he reckoned himself to be dead, and saved, yet he did not waver through, the unbelief, un, uh, through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. We live in that, in, that, that culture, but I, I got to tell you this morning, and I've said this before, you may be just one day away from breakthrough. If, you're, if you've been waiting on the promise of God, if you've been waiting for God to do that thing of significance, that thing that will bring glory and blessing to him, if you've been waiting on that one thing that God has put on your heart, keep believing, keep praying, because it could that breakthrough could happen tomorrow. It could be the next moment, the next day. Jesus said it, with God, all things are possible. So the result, they wait and they pass the test. And Isaac is born. Isaac, the, the, the promise of God to Abraham and Sarah. I mean, and they are ecstatic, right? Things are good. You've waited for that perfect baby. He's growing up healthy. You've got a cattle on a thousand hills. You've got a mansion, servants, friends, an iPhone 6 Plus, that 80-inch flat screen TV, that Porsche Carrera, right? Uh, you've got it all, and most importantly, you've got a son. And then God shows up for one more test. And that test is, based on this question, Abraham, are you willing to give God the one thing you want most to keep? Abraham has his boy, he's, he's now 12 years old. He is the apple of his eye. And the story picks up in Genesis 22, verses 1 through 12. And I just want to read the story because it just spells it out so powerfully. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham... 
Here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Really? Early the next day, it doesn't say, and Abraham waited a couple of weeks to process it, think it through. It says, early the next day, he, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him his two servants and his son Isaac, and when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for, for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Can you imagine what he processed three days of travel? Saying, God, is there a different way? Is there a different way? He said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac and he set and himself carried the fire and the knife. And the two of them went together. Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son. Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here. We've got it all, Dad. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. He bound it then... When they reached the place that God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and, and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Honestly, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I could do. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. This is really a test about willingness. And what's amazing to me is sometimes God asks us, to give up the very dream that he put on us. To give up the very promise that he said, Isaac is the promise living in his tent. And God says, are you willing to give up even the promise to follow me? Do you trust me enough, Isaac, J Abraham? Do you trust me, Abraham? to do this. And when it makes no sense at all that, that nine of our brothers and sisters were taken from us this week in a horrific act of evil, when the circumstances in front of us, it, we cannot reason it out in our minds what God is up to, we can still trust him because he know we know he is able i love what it says in in hebrews 11 17 through 19 by faith abraham when god 
tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be, that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. Putting our dreams on the, on the altar, saying, God, it's yours. And when we boil it down, you know, the test can look like a lot of different things. To each one of us, it can, be, it can look very different. But when you get down to, and boil it all down to one thing, what is at the core of this kind of willingness, a willing faith to say, God, I trust you, What's at the core is control. It's control. And I ask you this morning, is there something in your life that you are white-knuckling? You have such a grip on it that you don't want to let it go. Even if it's a promise from God, you don't want to let it go. It's when we release that to him when we are willing to say God all that I have is yours none of it's mine then he can really really bless you he can really do something significant in your life he can and and at the end of the day guess what he gets the glory God's glorified after eight years serving in Mexico City Felt the Lord stirring in my heart that we were going to be leaving. We are going to be leaving Mexico. It was a long process for me to let go of that because it was my baby. We worked with university students and high school students and started Bible studies on, on campus. And, uh, and, and at the end of eight years, we were on about 28 campuses and, and God was blessing it. And, and yet I felt like the Lord said, Jerry, are you willing to let go? Will you let go of this? I want to send you somewhere else. But I want, I want you to die to this thing, Jerry. And I got to tell you, it was a hard thing to do. But there's great blessing in letting go. One of my greatest joys in my life was just a few years ago. Eleven years later, God let me go back to Mexico and see this, the ministry that he had started. This student ministry in 11 years went from 28 eight, uh, groups studying on campus to over 68 groups. There was over 100 student leaders. And I walked in for the 20th anniversary of, of Jovenes Condecision, the student ministry there. And it was such an amazing blessing. What was amazing to me is that four people in the room I actually knew. I knew who they were and they knew who I was. The rest of them only knew Jerry Gibson as a name. Part of a part of his story of how the ministry got started. What a legacy. God did that. But it's hard to let go, isn't it? And you know what? God understands that. For it says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God 
knows what it means to give up for the blessing of others. And if you want today, I want to challenge you, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, perhaps today you'll begin that journey. You'll put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You see, it all leads back to the cross because it was through Abraham that Christ came and he is blessing all the families of the world today. He wants to bless your life as well. And if you'll have that Abrahamic type of faith, understand this. If you'll embrace it, that you will carry, that that kind of faith will carry you farther than you ever thought you could go. This kind of faith will sustain you longer than you ever thought you could. It, this kind of Abrahamic type of faith will ena- enable you to give up more than you ever thought you were, were possible. And most importantly, experience life fuller than you ever dreamed. Let his faith of who God is and what the promises he's given you flourish in your life.